This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. I'm the host, David Intricasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss drug pricing policy. With me to discuss the topic is Dr. Robert Levin. He's the president of the Alliance for Transparent and Affordable Prescriptions, or ATAP. He's also president of the Florida Society of Rheumatology. Dr. Levin, welcome to the program. Thank you. Dr. Levin's bio is, of course, posted on the podcast website. Briefly on background, the president over the past year and the Congress, both this past session and the current session, have expressed an interest in reforming federal prescription drug pricing policy. American spending on pharmaceutical drugs used to approximate what other comparative countries spent. However, between 97 and 07, U.S. spending tripled. Over the past decade, Medicare Part B drug spending has risen dramatically, and Medicare Part D drug spending, that accounts for 80% of all Medicare drug spending, currently spends approximately $140 billion annually, and spending in Part D is expected to grow by nearly 5% annually between 16 and 26, twice what it had been the decade previously. It's worth noting Americans do not consume more prescription medications than patients in comparative countries, and we comparatively consume more generic drugs. However, we do spend comparatively a great deal more on all healthcare services. What largely explains Medicare prescription drug spending are significantly higher prices. We pay particularly for brand name drugs. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, 30% of the rise in drug spending between 00 and 14 is largely attributable to price increases. One effect of ever increasing price, uh, drug prices, excuse me, is cost related non-adherence, CRNA. Comparatively, Americans, particularly older Americans, are up to one in four, do not fill their prescriptions because they are unaffordable. With me again to discuss drug pricing policy or policies to curb price growth, what some might term predatory pricing, is again ATEP's Dr. Robert Levin. So to begin, uh, Doctor, let me ask you, could you briefly explain ATEP's mission? And specifically, of course, curious to know how the organization is funded. Sure. So uh, the ATEP, first of all, is an organization or it's an alliance of patient and uh, provider groups um, that are, have the mission of uh, educating uh, and creating policy and legislation at the state and uh, federal level uh, to, to basically create uh, a, a more equitable and fair system uh, and, and expose the, what's going on with drug pricing. Um, what we recognize is a lot of the um, blame for increases of pro drug prices uh, is falls on the manufacturers. And believe me, I'm not going to be one to stand here and say, that the manufacturers have no are blameless because they are not. Uh, they have a, a significant responsibility in increases of drug drug uh, pricing, and there have been some very egregious examples that have been uh, publicized in the media. 
However, uh, there are the middlemen, the, the pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs, uh, that are the, they're kind of been flying under the radar. And these, these organizations basically uh, control uh, what prescriptions uh, can be prescribed by a prescriber, like a doctor like me, uh, for a patient. Um, and, and what happens is that these PBMs have created a system where it's a pay-for-play system, especially on the brand-name drugs. I'm a rheumatologist. I, I treat a lot of patients with rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, those patients require specialty medicines, and these specialty medicines are really expensive. Um, a drug that no, many of us have seen advertised on TV, uh, Humira, the list price is over $60,000 per year per patient, and that's a lot of money. Um, and so uh, the, and the inflation on the Part D drugs has been uh, just rampant and out of control. But the PBMs have played a, lot of, in, uh, played a significant role in promoting the inflation of list drug prices because they create a, a system where in order for a pharmaceutical manufacturer to get, um, to get access to the market, or another way, in other words, be a top-tier medication, uh, they have to pay. Uh, they have to pay a uh, a discount off the list price, and that discount is very substantial, and that goes into the PBM. And so uh, the PBMs have created a pay-for-play system, and that that's been the that's the crux of the problem, uh, as far as I see it, uh, in terms of getting access to care, getting the right drug for the right patient at the right time, because I don't necessarily can't choose, I can't choose the right medicine for my patient. Anyway, back to ATAP. ATAP is made up of 22 member organizations. Our funding for ATAP is coming directly from those organizations, and none of that money uh, comes from, uh, obviously, PBMs, but also uh, from drug manufacturers um, or others. It's funded totally by the uh, patient and uh, provider groups that are members. Okay, thank you. We'll get to PBMs in a second, but let me, uh, there are two pricing uh, proposals recently announced by this administration. Let's cover the first one. So the first one concerns Medicare Part B drugs. These are drugs that are administered typically in an inpatient setting. Uh, typically, these are uh, infusion drugs. Uh, the administration is considering for Part B drug pricing a demonstration, a five-year demonstration that would pay for Part B drugs via reference pricing or what they term an international price index, meaning that the Part B drugs or reimbursement there by Medicare would be based on what an average of X number of comparative countries are uh, spending to buy those drugs. So let's cover Part B first, and then we'll get to the second announced, and this gets to the PBMs. This was the January 31st rebate, uh, but let's cover first uh, the IPI. What's your, what's your take, early take on this idea the administration is considering? So um, we, you are correct in your statement that, um, that the, in, in the United States, uh, the, we pay more uh, for drugs uh, and for basically all hospitals and, and all services um, compared to the other developed countries around the world. And that's been published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, but specifically on pharmaceuticals and especially uh, on Part B medications, um, the thing about the proposal, there are a couple of the 
couple of uh, things about it. First, it's labeled as a demonstration project. And usually demonstration projects were supposed to be uh, uh, demonstrations. You take a small number of volunteers uh, who wanted to participate in the demonstration, and they would get some potentially some extra benefit uh, for participating uh, in this experimental program. And then they would see the results, and if they were good, then they would take the program more uh, more broadly. This demonstration project is to involve 50% of the U.S. physician population. And, um, and that makes it uh, very unusual for a demonstration project and will affect both the doctors and, and, and infusion uh, services under Part B, um, both um, who are participating as well as those who are not participating. So the concern is we don't know what, whether this is going to work or not, how it's going to work, and to just make this big generalized program change on a system uh, actually where the drugs that are infused are actually infused relatively at a lower cost, especially the places that are going to be affected by this Part B demonstration project, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The second part that doesn't make sense is that they're going to, the proposal as it stands um, will actually create new middlemen uh, who will then be the distribution source of the medication. And as I mentioned earlier, PBMs under Part D and also under commercial insurance uh, are the middlemen, and they have not been fair actors or good actors uh, in the drug distribution plan. And drug distribution in the United States. In any event, they're creating this whole new system of middlemen, and we have grave concerns about what that's going to do to access to medications and perhaps creating uh, new uh, ways to block patients from getting treatment and decreasing access. So in a nutshell, those are the two main complaints we have with it. We certainly have posted comments on uh, on Part B demonstration project, which are on our website. Um, and also there's another organization that I'm, a, uh, I'm a, on the board of directors, uh, the Coalition of State Rheumatology Organizations. And uh, there are posted comments regarding the Part B demo uh, on, on, our, on that website as well. Okay, thank you. You're right that although this proposal is fairly uh, vague, uh, we're waiting to see if the administration will actually publish a notice of proposed rulemaking, a proposed rule on this IPI. But you're right, there are these middlemen, they're termed vendors. In fact, between us, I thought when I first read this, uh, or I read this and immediately interpreted this as an opportunity for Amazon. But let's go to the second, and this is, um, <laughs> attracted probably even more attention. So the second administration, uh, drug pricing policy reform was announced. On the 31st, it would under med- be under Medicare Part D. It can include, of course, or, or can include Medicare Advantage and managed Medicaid plans as well, but it will prohibit drug manufacturers from paying a rebate, uh, we, the term rebate, to these PBMs, pharmaceutical benefit managers, or the middlemen in pharmaceutical sales after the sale of the manufacturer's drug to the patient. Uh, the goals of the proposed uh, are to lower out-of-pocket costs for patients and reduce government drug spending. Among other reasons for the proposal is the fact that between uh, 2010 and 15, 
all forms of rebates received by PBMs and Part D plans have increased approximately 24% annually or much faster than gross drug costs. So this is this gets very complicated very quickly, but just again, in simplest form, currently uh, a drug manufacturer um, will pay the middleman, the PBM, and the plan a percent of the list price as a rebate. And of course, you can imagine this creates certain perverse incentives uh, in that the PBM is in a sense uh, being paid a bribe to prominently list that manufacturers, particularly if their rebate is a high percent, such that that drug is consumed more by patients. So there are all sorts of um, uh, problems under the current system. I should say the proposal by the administration creates behavioral uh, uh, changes that no one can predict, which means scoring this is very difficult. But with that, just as uh, the introduction, uh, let me ask you your general overview of this rebate proposal, and we can get into, I can follow up with specific questions. Well, um, this rebate proposal, we've been asking to get rid of the rebate system, on which is really used to restrict access to specialty medications uh, and certain specialty medications. We've been asking to get rid of this percentage rebate uh, system uh, for years. This has been a, an ask that we've had. So, in terms of our opinion, we are definitely in favor of getting rid of manufacturer rebates paid to the PBMs um, to for in trade for formula replacement, and and it's it's really as you said, I love the word. It's a perverse incentive and a perverse system that actually is driving up the cost, the, driving up the list price of the drugs, and and making the PBMs incredibly uh, rich organizations. Yes, and in fact, uh, a couple things here uh, to note immediately. What um, the negotiation or the arrangement between the manufacturer and the middleman or the PBM is considered a, a trade secret. I know your organization's uh, uh, very concerned about and emphasizes the need for more uh, transparency. The, the problem uh, beyond the profit-taking by the PBMs who are passing on some of the uh, rebate to uh, the plan sponsor. And in many instances, the plan sponsor and the PBM are the same organization. In fact, that's increasingly the case. So we see insurance companies buying uh, PBMs or starting their own PBM. The problem for the beneficiary or the patient is that the beneficiary has a copay. And because of this rebate system, the list price is artificially high their copay is a percent of the list price. So they're paying an artificially inflated copay on the list price because they're not paying a copay on the negotiated net price, meaning the price after the rebate. So the problem for the beneficiary, and one of the uh, theories here is that if they rid uh, the system of the rebate, the beneficiary's copays will be reduced. So that's considered um, uh, an advantage. Uh, just to note one other because of the rebates, uh, the manufacturer is encouraged to increase the list price because rebates are becoming increasingly higher. And again, PBMs are exacting ever-increasing higher rebates because with higher rebates, they put the manufacturer's drug in a more favorable formulary placement or place. And again, as I noted, rebate contract terms are considered 
uh, trade secrets. Um, the other I just made no problem or, or perversity here is that insurers who get some portion of the rebate uh, may use a portion of the rebate to lower premiums or not. No one's actually exactly sure to what extent they are lowering uh, the patient's uh, premium by using that money to defer the patient's premium costs. Let me ask you, though, since transparency does seem to be a particular theme for ATAP, can you say a bit more about how and where transparency in this sense would be helpful? Yeah, I, I think transparency is key uh, for this proposal to actually work, uh, and it's really important. You know, uh, there is uh, a lot of unsavory behavior going on here, and unless the, and, and nobody really knows for sure uh, the magnitude of the unsavory behavior uh, in terms of these uh, these contracts between the manufacturers uh, who are trying to get their drug out to distribution and the PBMs who are uh, who are in control of the distribution. So, um, so the patients, like you said, the beneficiaries, are not getting one iota of benefit from this negotiated discount uh, that the PBMs have been able to uh, force the manufacturers to pay. It's basically pay for play. If the manufacturer doesn't pay enough, uh, then they are not going to get a favorable formulary placement and their drug uh, will not be able to be prescribed and covered by the insurance carrier. So so this is a real problem. We need transparency so that the so that one, we know that the basically that the public, if you're dealing with Medicaid, uh, or or the patients are not being ripped off. Uh, and and the patients are being ripped off by the system. The rebate amounts, we don't know what they are, and there's a difference between what the PBMs claim are rebates and what we are claiming or what we're talking about today. Uh, what we're calling about today, what we're talking about isn't truly the rebate. We're talking about the total uh, discount off the list price, what the, is the net price, off the what we would think of as like a sticker price if mm-hmm. we were buying a car. And and so when you start to talk about these rebates, it gets complicated because you're talking about a rebate, which I, in strict definition, is a back-end payment after sale. Uh, so the drug is sold, and then there's a percentage that's paid by the manufacturer based on the volume of sales. And then there's a front-end discount that's, where, that's included in this overall uh, scheme uh, that's that isn't technically a rebate; it's a discount. And then there are exorbitant fees that are percentage-based that are charged by the PBM uh, to the manufacturer, also. And the thing about it is that the PBMs claim, "Oh yes, we pass all the rebates on to the uh, manufacturer." And I, I heard them because I was sitting on a I was on a panel in front of the Florida House Health Innovation Subcommittee uh, last year. And this, this panel was on PBMs. And so they had a, ma- a manufacturer, they had a PBM representative from CVS Caremark. And he said, oh, yes, we pay it all back to the manufacturers. And it's, oh, it's about 5%. Well, that's only the rebate. When you look at the rebate, the discount, and the fees, you're talking about, on average, probably around 50% off the list price. And in some cases, maybe as high as 80 to 90% of the list price of the drug. So these are exorbitant amounts of money. I already told you that Humira's 
annualist price is over $60,000 per patient. And if you're taking 50%, that's a $30,000 um, chunk uh, that the PBM is then getting to keep minus the money that they send to the insurer. Uh, this is huge amounts of money. Uh, and you said that the rebates have been going up 24 percent per year. That's just outrageous, uh, especially when you're looking at these kinds of dollars. It, no wonder the three top PBMs are in the top 25 of the Fortune 500, um, and no drug manufacturer uh, is is anywhere near uh, what these guys get. And what do they what do they really provide anyway? They provide middleman services. Well, that's great. They they don't take any risk. They don't do any research. There's no research and development. Uh, there's no innovation. In fact, this whole system is anti-innovation because any drug trying to get onto the market can't even get there. It, it's crazy. The whole thing is totally nuts. And this and this rebate system, uh, which has been brought on by the PBMs, uh, is a perverse system. And the thing that will really I believe bring it down is enforcing transparency, which would really need to happen if these proposals uh, in this uh, rebate rule uh, on Medicare Part D that that was proposed that really would require transparency because one of the one of the uh, safe harbors that is allowed uh, would be allowed if this rule went through would be that there would be an allowed rebate would be able to be passed on to the consumer at the pharmacy counter, meaning that the consumer would actually get benefit from the discount that was negotiated. Now, that would be a godsend for our patients. Let's say there's a 50% rebate uh, off their drug, um, and they're paying a 25% copay, which is typical in Part D, um, then they would pay 25% of a number that's 50% less and you're talking about uh, instead of paying, let's say, $4,000 uh, a month, they might pay $2,000 a month. So that, that's a huge difference. That's still unaffordable for most, but still that would go a long way uh, in providing relief for our patients. Yes, thank you. I, I appreciate your point about questionable value added. An economist would say PBMs really are nothing more than rent seekers and somewhat uh, – ostensibly just valueless overhead. You're right on the what the intent here is that instead of a rebate, the beneficiary or the patient will receive a discount at the point of sale. Uh, so it really it would at minimum uh, benefit the the difference would benefit or go to the benefit of the beneficiary. I will say again, um, because of the number of behavioral effects uh, this rule change may have. It's very unclear. This is really uh, very interesting uh, how this uh, proposal uh, would score. And in fact, the swing is is fairly significant. CMS has had its Office of the Actuary uh, try to calculate and has looked at uh, outside third-party actuaries. And the ranges from decreasing federal spending of $100 billion over the 10-year budget window to increasing federal spending about $140 billion, so it's pretty unclear exactly uh, how this would play out in practice. But let me... Um, Can I make another point sure, about please that? Do. Yes. You know, one of the things about this whole thing is that we've heard counter-arguments that it's going to raise premiums and right. it's going to increase federal spending and all this. And, you know, the, the thing about insurance is it's supposed to spread risk among all of the insured. And the problem that 
that's going on right now with the way uh, the patients have to pay an exorbitant amount to get necessary treatments that will change their lives um, is that they're taking the patients who are afflicted with rheumatoid arthritis or cancer um, or, or MS who require these treatments, they are taking an undue burden uh, of the money that's needed to be spent rather than spreading uh, this among, uh, among the population of the insured. No, that's an excellent point, and that's how, that's how insurance works. Uh, the healthy, right? Healthy, the healthy subsidize the unhealthy, or as we well know, five percent consume fifty percent. Fifty percent of people consume five percent of resources. Let's go. We have a few minutes left, or just quickly. There is more generically a proposal, and this has been debated for last, really since two thousand and three, and that is to allow the secretary to negotiate Part D uh, drug prices. This was prohibited in the O three. Uh, Medicare Modernization Act, although some Republicans, particularly John McCain, thought it was crazy. Uh, but pharmaceutical obviously won the day and prohibits uh, this. The House Democrats are discussing about allowing or providing legislation to allow the secretary to negotiate. And uh, specifically in instances where there's dramatic year-over-year increase in price for no uh, obvious uh, reason, meaning the drug has become more effective, um, or it's comparatively more effective, then the solution would be mandatory or binding arbitration between uh, the government, uh, the manufacturer via a, a third-party intermediary. Um, let me ask you, uh, Dr. Levin, what, what's your sense generally of, of the um, secretary negotiating uh, prices? Uh, it's, that's, a, that's a pretty tough one because, first of all, just from a practicality standpoint, I'm not sure how much Republican support there's going to be exactly. for allowing allowing this. The House Democrats um, uh, uh, are in favor of that, but there will be staunch opposition uh, from the conservatives um, on on this issue uh, about letting letting the government uh, fix prices and and set prices in open quote free market. Although we all know that this is hardly a free market. Um, so from a practical standpoint, I don't know how much legs uh, this has, and it may just be blowing smoke. Um, but I see pros and cons. Um, I think maybe a better way um, is to uh, create legislation that would enforce transparency and enforce disclosure if there's a certain uh, amount of increase of price that's uh, made on a Part D medication, um, let's say they raise over a 10% threshold, then then there would have to be uh, uh, disclosures about the justification for that, which would then be subject to uh, scrutiny by the media and from others. And I think that by promoting transparency in, in this situation, uh, transparency on the manufacturers and enforcing that, I think would also go a long way in trying to curb that type of behavior. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think that we're still on internal discussions about about this proposal, um, but we're not at all sure that it has enough legs to actually uh, get through Congress, let alone get the president's signature. You're right. The secretary of HHS, Azar, has opposed it. Uh, certainly the Republicans in the Senate would, and the rhetoric already is this is 
European price uh, fixing uh, or European socialism. So with that, um, Dr. Levin, thank you for your time and genuinely appreciate it for this overview. Uh, we'll see how this plays out uh, through this session of the Congress. Uh, certainly would be interested, if any of this goes forward, obviously we'll create major uh, changes uh, in the industry. So again, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.